0: Radio, radio, Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Guitar Wing podcast. I am your host, Troy McCubbin, And here we go with number episode, wait for it, 99H. And uh, that was the Aussie H. Uh, Americans say eight, H, is it? H. And I say H. Because uh, when I was a little kid going to school, we would do the alphabet and it was at, b, k, d, f huh. It had the H huh in there. So to me, it's a H, not an H. H. So, uh, (laughs) I don't know how many arguments I've had with Americans over that one, which is totally ridiculous, but that's what it is, 99H, and for all those people (laughs) out there getting so annoyed with Guitar Wank, because we just won't commit to the 100, up your bum, Um, because you're only going to benefit, because we're getting more gifts and uh, prizes and stuff, giveaways for you guys, and we are collecting all the emails and all the names, and I'm making sure I'm not missing anyone, Um, make sure you do the three things, what are they, Troy McCubbin, well, Roy, they are. Go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to Guitar Wank and leave an amazing comment. Lie if you have to, whatever it takes, just leave something amazing. It changed your life, it saved your marriage, you, uh, you had more kids, you made more money, whatever it is, just lie. <laughs> That's a good start. That's number one. And then you go to the website and you uh, subscribe to Guitar Wank podcasts on the website. Make sure you subscribe to your podcasts. On your, you know, your iPhone or your Android or whatever you do with that, but um, subscribe at the website uh, at GuitarWank at Gmail. No, The website. Sign up, <laughs> subscribe, and then excuse me, um, and then email us at GuitarWank at Gmail Say, Troy, you Aussie bastard! I did those three things, and here's well, here's the third thing. I'm telling you why I like Guitar Wank, and um, and there you go. You are in the running for amazing prices. Prizes, prizes, prizes. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we got that out of the way. Make sure you do that. Keep the emails coming. We really, really appreciate the donations. We seriously have some great fans out there. And we are changing lives, good or bad. We're changing something. I don't know. A big shout out to my NAM mates, uh, Nick, uh, my Pommy mate from Austin. We had a good time at NAM. Thanks, man, for hanging out. I caught up with a, a Guitar Wank podcast fan, uh, a Pommy living in Austin, Texas. Just down the road from where David Grissom plays all the time. And uh, he had some great stories for me. We had a great time. Good bloke. We had a beer. And that made Nam bearable. (laughs) So, it was really good. Robbie Garland. Thanks, Rob. It was great catching up with you. Uh, I got to see Jeff from True Fire. Uh, Jeff, that was really good. We had a quick hello. But uh, that was really cool. Who else did I see? Nam was... It was cool. I went two days. I went Friday and Sunday. Probably didn't need to go Sunday. But anyway... um, for those who've never been, it is an experience, and it's, yeah, there's a lot to see, and it's very over, overwhelming, and I did have plans of going there to record and do meetings and that, but as soon as you walk in the building, you're like, why? Why why bother? Why bother? <laughs> it's just like, it's so noisy, and even though it was better this year, but it was good. I saw a lot of cool stuff that I did really like. Of course, I caught up with the guys from Wireworld. Larry and David, those guys are kicking butt with new product. they got new cables which are actually, if you know the Wireworld cables, the older ones, they're they're a little, you know, they're silver, very high quality, sound great, but they're a little stiff, as in, you know, when you roll them up and all that kind of stuff. Well, they come out with new ones that are just super lovely. Lovely guitar cables and mic cables. And then they come out with an 8-channel Snake, which is really high quality, great stuff, and it plugs into your uh, whatever devices you have. So, that was really cool. They're doing amazing stuff. So, make sure you check them out on their website, wireworldproaudio.com. Um, who else, uh, Quilter, I checked out some stuff from Quilter and uh, Peter over there was so kind to show me a little box that they haven't released yet. And it's coming out this summer and, uh, it's very secretive, but all I can say is holy snap and duck shit. That was, uh, what he showed me was this little amp, like tiny pedal size amp and, um, amazing, like ridiculous. I was just like, oh shit, you're probably going to piss off a lot of people with this product. Really, really good. I was quite impressed i caught up with thomas blug uh blue guitar the tone the pedal thomas is an amazing german guitarist he he actually did a lot of session work over there a lot of touring and he was the guy (coughs) that designed um worked for hughes and kettner and he designed a lot of their stuff but he designed the rotosphere i don't know if you know that pedal but that was a really bitch and you know b3 you know rotary speaker kind of pedal. And it sounded amazing. A lot of cats had that on their pedal boards. It was really big, but it sounded incredible. He designed that. So the guy's got mad skills, bit of a scientist kind of dude and great player. And his pedal is ridiculous as well. The small pedal weighs nothing. And he's pulling tones that, you know, mimic plexis and stuff. Is it exactly like a plexi? No, but it's pretty damn close that the normal Joe Blow wouldn't have a clue. You know, I mean, nothing, let's all get this straight. And Scott, we agree with Scott on this one. Nothing will ever replace... Well, I should say, I shouldn't say never, right? But for the moment, nothing will ever really replace an amazing Marshall Marshall Plexi. You're standing in front of it, and you got it cranked, and it's you know, or that kind of amp, or an amp that does, that does that kind of thing. That's really hard to replace. That, but for all us guys that do cover gigs or you're doing corporate gigs, you're never going to take that amp, and you'll take um one of these this blue guitar amp or quilter or any of those things and no one in the audience would really give a shit or even care and you save your back and uh you set up time is half the time you're not pissing off the sound guy i see it all going in that direction well it's already in that direction so um and uh i saw a lot of products at nam that are sort of working on that smaller is better exotic pedals i stopped by those guys said a quick g'day and um they had some new guitars that's what they had Uh, and i've actually found a tally that i (laughs) if i had the money i would have bought it looked awesome and Played great, so um, I'm gonna lose them all. I have not got a frog in my throat <laughs> Ah, excuse me, that's better. Um, what else did I say I did see some really cool pedal board stuff. That was um, you know, I'm in the process. I'm always in the process of building a pedal board, but um, I said I'd give these guys a shout out because I really liked their idea. They're basically really light pedal boards, like you know, the frame of a pedal board with all your plugins on the side and your inputs. You could buy extra, and it's like a mesh top. And instead of Velcroing your pedals and that to the pedalboard, you actually stick like a thin plate to the back of your pedalboard, the back to your pedal, I should say, and that clicks to the pedalboard, which no more Velcro, none of that stuff, no no chance of this shit falling off because it kind of screws and bolts down to the pedalboard. So, your pedals are locked in place, a lot cleaner, a uh, lot simpler, and they really thought about it. I thought it was an amazing, really cool design, and that company is called Temple Audio, and they're a Canadian co- company. They're Canucks from Canada. And uh, I really liked that product. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a really cool idea. And they thought about it because nothing worth dealing with Velcro and your pedals. And you, you're trying to line them up and they're not straight and blah, blah, whatever you do. Uh, I thought those guys really are heading in a great direction. So, the pedal boards are at te- Temple Boards. So you can check them out at templeaudio.com. Tell them if, you, if you're interested in their stuff, tell them Guitar Wank sent you and they said that you'd give, get a discount. I just made that part up but you should just try it anyway they might just they might just say oh yeah okay yeah we'll give you a discount so guitar wank sent you and they said if we said that you get a discount i'm completely lying but it doesn't matter right everyone lies at the moment so it doesn't really matter uh what else did i see i saw johnny sir the amazing john sir we had a good chat he uh he asked if i wanted to pick up on his beautiful new sir guitars i refused because i didn't even want to touch that guitar it looked so amazing and the price tag was, I, don't know, I think it was like four and a half or something, but the thing was beautiful. You, there's probably pictures on their website or something, but oh man, he's making some killer guitars. And I, apparently this this line of these Les Paul looking type Sir guitars, it's kind of been a big dream of John's to do this run. He's only going to do a run of a hundred this year. So man, if you want one of these, very tempting because they look, and I'm, I'm sure they sounded great. I didn't want to touch it. That's it. I hung out with my good friend, Mark Van gool who's a great bloke and a works with everyone in the business so it's always great to pick his brain and find out what what's going on in the world work with lincoln park and uh he's on the road with bon jovi and all these other great bands and in the studio so i get to see hear all those fun stories so it was it was a good time good catch up with a lot of great people and um saw steve morse and albert lee play and you know, it's just a crazy place. There's so much stuff there. Uh, what did I see? Oh, the, one of the biggest things that impressed me that I was like, oh, <laughs> the, the, the guitar player gearhead in me said, oh, I need that because I obviously cannot survive without this product was a new uh, box from Audio, Universal Audio. It's called the Oxbox. And uh, I was talking to Josh Smith about it. And I believe it was Richard, the guy who designed it. Spent the last three years of his life. This is his baby. And he's been working on it with Universal Audio. And we're going to have him on the show. He said he'd come on the show and talk about it. Amazing stuff, what they've done. They've kind of taken, you know, Scott talks about the reactive load and using IRs and all that kind of stuff. Well, they've taken that technology and gone way deeper. Like, they're not just measuring IRs on the speaker. They're measuring all these other factors to basically give you more ...of the real thing, you know... ...and you have 17 cab- 17 cabs in this box... ...in a program... ...you can use it on your iPad... ...and your computer, of course... ...and it's also a attenuator... ...so you can actually run your amp through it... ...and load the speaker cabinet down... ...and so you crank it... ...but it's a really high-end attenuator... ...so they've spent definitely their time... ...they've done their homework... ...and they've kind of gone further... ...I believe than anyone else... ...with the whole... ...you know, the speaker cab cabinet modelling and they're not just using IRs, as I said, and then it's an antenna, so it does a lot of things. It's kind of in a big box. We were wondering why it's so big, but I get it because there's so much stuff in it. It's really amazing. out. It's worth seeing. It's kind of expensive. It's like, like 1200 1300 bucks, But yeah, when you see everything it does and the quality it is, you're like, eh, makes it. Anyway, so we're going to get Richard in from Universal Audio to talk about that because I think it would be really cool to see how that was the backstory on that. Okay, that was kind of my Nam experience. It was fun. So and um, I'm, I'm glad glad I don't work it but uh, uh, what else what else is going on well Bruce has been sick we had to cancel that amazing gig with Danielle D'Andrea and uh, we're going to redo it we've got another date potentially locked in it might be the 21st of February that's not official official but it's pretty official it's one official not two officials but uh, we already have a ton of tickets sold and all those people said just keep our money and we will are locked in for next gig so they're going to come but we still have quite a few tickets left we're going to pack them in, and um, we're looking at the 21st of Feb. I don't even know what night that is. But anyway, it's the 21st of Feb. are looking at doing the show again, repeating, and Bruce will be over the flu, and, uh, and Danielle will be here, and then she'll probably get it. <laughs> don't get it. Don't get sick, Danielle. I'm not getting sick. Um, if he got the flu, damn, I hope you are doing well. I've been washing my hands like a madman. The rest of the world, you probably don't know, but America at the moment has got this crazy flu going around, and it's like... Knocking people on their ass It's like killing people Kids are dying Older people are dying And I don't know if the media Is hyping it up Or whatever But it makes you think And you're like Ugh. So um, wash your hands And if you've got the flu I hope this podcast Is actually making things A little bit easier for you Or it's putting you to sleep Which is a good thing too So that's that So this week We're going to finish off With Adam Levy And I thought I'd do The final of Danielle Just before we do the show uh, In February Scott apparently had a great gig I heard amazing things about that And Scott be here Back again couple of weeks I don't even know where he is hats we finally have hats well caps Uh, I got one and after it's been I gotta say it's been a pain in the ass to try and get the guitar wank logo on a, a stupid cap I don't know why but to get it done properly and as close to the original as possible you would think I was sending someone to Mars it was amazing but we did it and um, I'm pretty happy with the end result. And the cap is really high quality. And um, I was quite proud wearing it. And uh, it's become my favourite hat, cap. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to do a small run of caps uh, for Guitar Wank. So um, they're classy, they're classic. Uh, the logo's not you know, too much in your face, but it's there and it looks great. And it's all embroidered and the hat's really well done. And um, yeah, I think we're going to do a bunch of them. So I'm excited about that. i Am I going to speed this up? I should go back. I'll do that. I'm going to speed it up. Just for shits and giggles. For all those people, just like, oh, Troy, with the long intros. Oh, dear. Um, Well, this will be... I'm going to be talking faster. It might sound funnier. I'm going to be up a couple of pitches. But anyway, there you go. Just doing that for our fans, just to keep it interesting. Okay. Well, let's get back to Adam Levy from last week. It was such a pleasure. Oh, that's what I had to do. And I've been getting emails about this, and I'm meaning to do it every week. Uh, The music I play on the show, I've got a folder of music that I keep going back to. And it's not... Nothing... There's there's only a few things there that you can choose from So anyway, all the music I play on the show Except when we have a guest Like today we've got, uh, well, Adam Levy And we've got some songs from him Um, I think one song is It's Adam singing Bassist is Andy Hess Drummer is Tony Mason and then there's another track. It's a trio with organist Larry Goldings and drummer Matt Chamberlain. He doesn't fucking love Matt Chamberlain and Larry Goldings. So, um, I love Matt's playing. I've got to listen to that track myself. Anyway, so and then there's uh, an instrumental duet with a drummer called Jay Belarose. Well, there you go. So, um, that's the tracks today. And they're all Adam Levy. But the the other stuff I pull from is... Um, one stuff is High Plane Riffsters. You know that CD. You can get that. Just look it up. Google it. High Plane Riffsters. And then you've got um, Bruce Foreman, Trio, Foremanism. That's his other album, right? I pulled from that stuff. The Book of Foreman. Duh. I pulled from that stuff. And Scott's stuff is... (coughs) Excuse me. I got Runner's Cough. I went for a run today and I kind of kicked my butt. Um, Tore Down House, Vibe Station, Dog Party, and Walter the Bone. That's pretty much all the music I play on Guitar Wank. (laughs) <laughs> I need to get more, and that's why it's so nice to have some of our guest music, like Adam's stuff today. Yeah, so that's all the stuff I play for all Guitar Wank, and uh, all blues at the front. The, the, our logo, our intro, our theme. Yeah, so there you go. I hope that answers the question, because I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna go through each track and just tell you what it is every show, because the else, and I've wasted all this time with the intro. So you know, again. Up your bum Alright Let's uh let's speed this up McCubbin So they can't get Bitchy at you I, I think I've hit 20, 20 minutes Ah oh, fuck Alright This will be fast now So I deal with that and I don't know if you can Slow it down But I'm going to Just make it real fast Alright <laughs> Alright Be safe out there If you're sick Vitamin C Lemon This is a good one If you're sick This is for the sick people Because I care This is a really good one Grab a whole lemon A full lemon Don't cut the lemon Grab the lemon off the tree Wash the lemon Put the whole lemon In a blender with water And drink it just try it it actually tastes really good it actually tastes even better if you add other things to it I put bananas and other stuff but it is so so good for you I can't tell you how good it is for you because uh, that's another show but do that if you're sick that's an amazing thing to do uh, vitamin C zinc and obviously plenty of rest tons of liquids and look after yourself I don't want our guitar work fans dying that would be really shitty because we've only got a few of you alright I feel like I can drag it on longer now because I'm speeding it up does that make sense <laughs> all right here we go adam levy mr bruce foreman myself guys what have we got in store for the listeners this week (laughs) Uh,
1: my latest record is the record i made with jay uh, which is called blueberry blonde it's just duo it's i sing on it i play electric and acoustic guitar and there's drums and we recorded it live uh, in a studio, but I mean to say, like as far as I'm sitting from you right now, yeah. it's about how far I was from Jay. Fantastic.
2: And it's yeah, just. This sounds duo. like Bruce's. Wait record. a minute! He just ripped me off. Right? hold I mean, it. you know? It's okay, but I didn't sing. So. <laughs> at least I, no, you know, my Junkyard Duo record comes out. The I mean, I they just I just got the email actually text that they shipped it. Oh, so, awesome! Great. I mean, I've got this band called Junkyard Duo. Yeah. Where it's me playing my resonator. And the drummer has to play a drum set of reclaimed objects. Oh that's cool. <laughs> and Jay does it and Jake Reed does it. You okay, know they both know, kind of share the duties. Yeah. And on the record both of them are on it. Oh wow. And we cool. just It's like it goes everywhere from swing and bop yeah. to groovy, swampy sounding stuff to cinematic, textural, soundscape yeah. stuff. Wow. And it's all? 1 minute or less right yeah and all the tunes are one minute oh,
1: right, i heard you i did hear you talking about yeah, that yeah, yeah that's a cool Well, actually concept. there are
2: a few that we took longer right. but but for like the 30 songs 28 of them are 1 minute and uh yeah, and, and we play a lot around town that way, you know, Junkyard Duo, it's called. And we kind of like do this hobo thing, you know. That's I've got cool. a little cauldron fire out in front of the band. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like cooking rats and stuff, uh. you know. <laughs> I figure if, if they're going to throw musicians into the junk pile, sure. we're going to play there. Yeah, I sure. It. That's sure, it. Play it where it lays. <clears throat> you now, know?
0: <laughs> when your album comes out, do you have an official date, Bruce? Uh, well, I supposedly I
2: think I made the official date like Valentine's Day. But Perfect. I should, we should, it should be available online, you know, uh, by then. All right, we'll do obviously And, all the same and I've got them. So any, all it is, but do is like email me and I'll yeah. have them by the weekend. Adam,
0: when's yours?
1: It's out. It's out. Okay. Yeah, you it's can Blueberry get it on. Blonde, it's called say? Blueberry Blonde.
0: Blueberry Blonde. Why? Where'd the name come from? <laughs> That's a cool one. My
1: <laughs> wife, God bless her. Yeah. She's so funny. She, sometimes she has, she, you know what malapropisms are? Yeah. Yeah, so she'll say. Th- so she was talking about a friend of ours, right. Whose hair is a light shade of red. Oh. And she said she was talking about her. She said, "You know, she's blueberry blonde." And I was like, <laughs> "You mean strawberry blonde?" Yeah. But I thought that was so cute, and so I wrote an instrumental tune called "Blueberry Blonde." So that's where. I came that's from. badass. That's, that's really awesome. Great. I love yeah.
0: that. I have a I have a band called um, Gorilla Bear. Oh. Yeah. And And where does that come from? It comes from when I wake up with my missus. She's just like a not a a morning person. And for the longest time, it just come out. I was just, you were such a gorilla bear in the morning. Like two massive animals together. Totally. And that's her. And she loves that, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Who wouldn't? Yeah, right? Um, Yeah. So the the album's out. The album's out. Where can we get it?
1: Bandcamp.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Why did you go Band Camp?
1: Well, uh, that's a good question. I, oof, I like Bandcamp because I can put stuff there directly. Before, I also use TuneCore for some of my releases. Right. If People don't know there's places like TuneCore and DistroKid where I've you can get TuneCore, your yeah. yeah. You can get your music onto iTunes and mm-hmm. Spotify and whatever. Yep. But you're always going like you upload to TuneCore, they send it to Apple, blah blah right. blah. Bandcamp is like almost more like Squarespace or something where like you, it's all just you. The money goes to you. The design is you. If you want to put an album up, you decide tomorrow. You want to take it down, you decide. You oh, want wow. to change the price. Yeah. You just whatever you do want to do. It's just all you. It's all artist run. Where do so,
0: they make their money? Advertising.
1: No, they take they take a cut of the credit card fees. I guess right. that's how it works. Yeah. But like Apple, you kind of there you can decide if your record is a five ninety nine record or there's different price points. Yeah. If
2: you decide nine ninety nine, they're gonna you're gonna get six dollars.
1: Yeah. Bandcamp the cut is much smaller. Mm-hmm. And again, you name <coughs> the price. If you want to charge ten dollars for your record or ten dollars and three cents or nine ninety whatever you set it. Also, you can create your own bundles. Let's say you decide. You know what, I want to give people the option, you can buy everything I've ever released for a bundle price. You set that up. Maybe if you're a huge, giant star like Taylor Swift or something, you could call up Apple and say, I want to make this bundle thing. (laughs) But if you're not, you can't. You just submit it to TuneCore, they submit it to Apple. Bandcamp... All the parameters are you. I really love that. If you wow. want to have people subscribe every month, they can. Yeah. If you want to sell actual physical CDs, there's a way to do that. Yeah. It's just very artist-friendly. And you fulfill them yourself. Is it all <coughs> and it's
0: Is it streaming or downloading? Both. Or both? both. both. Okay.
1: That's another thing. You can set it to where if somebody wants to sit and listen to your song a million times, they can. Or you can say hey, after five times, you have to buy it, or after three times, or whatever. That's cool. So if somebody is, wants to sit and listen to your record, hey, after the third time, it's like, okay, buddy.
3: You're digging you, my shit. You gotta
1: yeah, buy it. <laughs> yeah, pay the 99 cents yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, if you have an internet connection, I think you probably have 99 cents to spare. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's why I like Bandcamp. So a lot of my releases are on Bandcamp only. I, I made a record a couple years ago that was a um, public domain record. Which started as a YouTube series. I recorded 13 public domain songs. Um, uh, I did, uh, should, now I can't remember any of them, Peg, uh, 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 Down by the Old Mill Stream and uh, I Dream of Jeannie with the Light Brown Hair. <laughs> and Let Me Call You Sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Shenandoah,
2: probably. I
1: didn't, but when Uh, you played that song the other night, I I loved it. It's Um, a great song. It's so incredible. So, you know, that I released on Bandcamp only. uh, That started as a YouTube series. After I recorded the whole thing and put it on YouTube, I wound up stripping all the audio and just mastering it and releasing it. It was easy. Um, But then, sorry, I'm a little... My thoughts are less focused now than they were a minute ago. Um, I blame Buffalo Trace, thank you. (laughs) Um, When I went, I was toured in Australia this year, this past year, and the guy I was touring with said, why don't you press up some copies of Blueberry Blonde? And I had already decided in my mind that I was never gonna make any more plastic. I'm done making plastic, everything's gonna be digital downloads. And he said, well, that's great, but actually where we're, the places we're playing in Australia, people do still buy CDs. I was playing festivals and stuff. So I wound up pressing, an Australian company pressed 500 of them. Right. And I sold a bunch of them on tour, and now I have them. So at gigs, if people want the record that me and Jay made, and they still have a CD player, they want that, that's available. Right.
0: So, wh- who'd you tour with in Australia?
1: A songwriter named Heath Cullen. Heath He's from Candelo. Heath
0: Cullen. He sounds familiar.
1: He's really great. So we played in... He's a singer-songwriter. Right. Uh, we played in Sydney and Melbourne, and we did a house concert in Kangaroo Valley, <laughs> and we played in... Everywhere
2: it's Kangaroo Valley. No, <laughs> <In Australia>. there's <laughs> an, an actual, actual town no. called Kangaroo Valley. Yeah, I just great. thought that, you know, it's like saying, you know, <laughs> right. you know Springfield or sure.
0: something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had a good time? It was so great. We, we looked after you yeah 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 australia is so much
1: fun Ate a lot of pies (laughs) saw some echidnas in the wild oh
0: wow an echidna yeah yeah Yeah.
1: um went camping
0: wow man you got to do it It
1: it's really good it's not
0: that scary down there is it no it's great it's uh, it's an amazing place see where i grew up on a farm in australia so we would see echidnas Mm. all the time and koala bears and kangaroos and that was because we grew up, I went to a little country school in the sure. bush and did all that. And, and I think about that now, it's like, man, my kids, and I'll never have anything like that. I was so lucky. Yeah. So blessed.
2: Did you ever see a movie called Dingo?
0: I did see a movie called Dingo.
2: Dingo, yeah, yeah. I think you would really love that. You should watch it again. It's been a while. It's about wow. it's this guy this kid in Australia like that, you know, you know, plays in a little band, trumpet player. Like one day he's out in the middle of nowhere in a plane lands and it was like the seventies, you know, the Dashiki days of jazz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like Miles' band gets off That's the bandstand right. and they just play on the tarmac and this kid, he's a little trumpet player and he just blows his mind his whole life, he's like playing trumpet. His father plays in a blues band and he's just playing around and his job is to count the dingoes in the wild. But meanwhile he's always just like playing the horn And he and he goes to search out Miles. To find him, and you know, like he wants to play, and of course, this whole thing about like how miles tells him, don't be like me, be like you, and you know this whole thing in paris they're in Paris, and goes through all this stuff and and he ends up like when he's playing the trumpet at the end, there's all these dingo sounds in his shit, you know <laughs> you know he's like got all this kind of like wow. weird okay. primal dingo i mean it's a really beautiful movie, and it's really hard to find now wow. I remember the v h s days where if you yeah. found like a store that had it, you were really lucky. Awesome. I imagine you now you can probably see it on YouTube or something, Maybe. but this movie Dingo is really, Dingo. Cool. Okay. but the the message of just like the guy was always basically thinking he was missing everything yeah he was getting everything in the other world, and you know like his encounter with miles taught him that like no, everybody's missing everything, yeah. You just have to deal with where you are and make the most of it. Amen. And it's a beautiful story. You know, I mean, along with a lot of, of course, the typical Hollywood type conflict and
0: (laughs) fuck. We're getting deep on this show. This is like this is kind of people aren't going to like this one, but you
2: know they deserve it. After a hundred times, they deserve it. (laughs) Some real shit here, right? I dig this. Some adult talk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can I ask you a question? Are, of are course, we, are, yes. I know we're in kind of like sudden death overtime here. But no, 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 there's
0: there's no rules in this okay.
1: show. So um, when I was a kid, when I was 13, 12, 13, I got to study with uh, Jimmy Weibel yeah. because he was my grandfather's first call guitar player and he was like basically friend of the family. Of course, I didn't appreciate it at the time because you're You're twelve.
3: You know, guitar (laughs) lesson. Yeah,
1: and so he was showing me all these, like, chord scales with this like. He had this seven note version of the diminished scale that he was super into. He didn't call it that, but it was like C, D, E flat, F sharp, G sharp, A, B. Mm -hmm. And so he would take like your typical, you know, drop two voicings and all the stuff that we know, but like, okay, what if you applied that to A scale that had a flat three, sharp four, sharp five, and so it was like the craziest sound. But I mean, you
2: were like twelve years old. (laughs) Twelve. I barely knew how to play
1: anything, but I tried. I did it for a few. I did it for a while. I I I couldn't keep up, and
2: uh, you must have been around the same time as Larry Coons, right? You guys are similar. I mean, Larry studied with him, even though his father was a great guitar player. Dave sent him off to Jimmy for
3: lessons.
1: So, and and Jimmy at the time was playing in Evita. This was like, puts kind of puts a time Ooh. stamp on it. He was playing in the pit Orchestra for the first run of Evita in Los Angeles. Wow. And his record of etudes had just come out. This was, he put that out in 78, and I was studying with him 78, 79. And um, eventually I was just like, I, I can't do this. And my mom was getting frustrated because we lived very far away and he was teaching in Glendale. So years fast forward 30 plus years almost 40 years later i was like i need to go back to this music and get a handle on it because there's something there that i don't hear in any other thing and you know i'm very lucky i got to study with ted green i got to study with great teachers at dick grove i've had great teachers but in the back of my mind i've always felt like I, i need to really absorb this music and of course jimmy's gone now um, he died a few years ago. And um, there's a teacher named David Oakes, who's yeah. a great guitar David player a- who really probably more than anybody understands that music, was close with Jimmy. I mean there's you know, Sid Jacobs knows that music yeah. and so other people. So I've started studying with David Oakes. I take a lesson on he lives in Virginia now, and once a month we go on Skype and I'm right. learning this music with him. Of course I'm working on Etude One. And I see Bruce play yesterday, and he's like kind of freestyle not the red guitar set, but the kind of freestyle set. And he said, oh, I think I'll play something in F. And fucking A, if you don't play a etude one. <laughs> it, I almost it, yeah. fell out of my chair, so what? jimmy or that music oh wow i'm really well, curious the
2: funny thing is is with jimmy of course i knew about him you know more as like a legend than a thing and uh, the first time i met him i was in vegas there was this f- jazz series at the four aces or the four queens with uh, i think four, four queens, queens. Yeah. yeah it's it's a funky one of the old strip hotel you know really funky and this guy ran this jazz series and i was down there and sure enough uh there was like nobody comes to it you know i mean the '80s and jazz, and everybody in Vegas, you know. But there were two, there were two people in the audience, and it was Jimmy Weipel and Dave Coons. Oh my God! So that's where I met Jimmy and Dave, and they, you know, and you know how Jimmy is. He's just like so supportive, and just like he thinks everything he hears is the best thing he ever heard, yeah, you know. And he totally. thinks he's horrible, yeah, even though he's brilliant. And then you know, fast forward a number of years when I came back down here. Now I had started Cow so right. I have created this hybrid of bebop and western swing. Of course, he had played with Bob Wills. That was his gateway gig in L.A. Right. And so uh, I just went over to his house one of the first nights I was in L.A. You know, he wanted to hang out. Of course, we knew each other, and uh, I played for him, and he was just said he was blown away. Uh, and then, uh, and then he picked up my guitar. <laughs> Fuck!
3: <laughs> it was like
2: it was like three motherfuckers were playing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my it, it even though I'm sure I'd heard some of that stuff before, mm-hmm. it was it just sounded like noodling to me. I mm-hmm. guess before mm-hmm. that, yeah. And then when I was in the room with it and hearing him do it, it just went. I just it was like it was weird. It was like if your li- ears were plugged up. And then all of a sudden they opened up. It was that kind of experience. Like the same experience I had when I heard Bird. And when I heard, when I got Train. Because I heard Train for a lot and I didn't get it. And then when I finally heard it, it was like this Ope, like the Skies Mm. part, you know. Mm. It was the same kind of thing. He changed the way I hear. Mm. Just in that moment. Wow. And so then we just got deep into, you know, right in that moment it was like, well, wait a minute, whoa, stop, you know, and like we're talking and, he made him get out because he was playing my guitar, so we only had one guitar. And I said, "No, get a guitar out. Well, let's let's talk about this." <laughs> and you know, and he would play something, and um, I would kind of learn it, and then I would play it back at him. But I'd say, "But what if you do this?" And, and so, like now, we're showing it, because his stuff was very worked out. Yeah there was not a lot of like, well, if you can do this, it's just an F chord. Right. Basically, like, A two number one is just a typical turnaround. Right, totally. I mean, I can hear what's happening harmonically. Sure. I mean, so I said, well, if you do this, what if you do this here? And, you know, And he's like, show me that. And so I'm showing him this, and he's showing me that. Oh, wow. And that started a relationship that lasted like the last six years of his life. I mean, we were wow. pretty inseparable. I mean, I don't think a week went by when I wasn't, having lunch with him and playing with him mm-hmm. and just, you know, taking him places, you know, mm-hmm. I made he didn't want to play in public. He thought he couldn't play his hands shook a little. It was after Lily died, mm-hmm. his wife, mm-hmm. and he was kind of a mess. And he's well known uh, in many ways. One is he has a very mercurial temper, which I don't know if you ever were around it, but I got a chance to once I really got close to him. There was once I said something he took completely the wrong way, and it was really a blow up of of big proportions. <laughs> wow, I mean, there I was a lot imagine. of rehabilitation to the relationship. Wow. It was just something like I it was just I just threw it out, just kind of saying something mm-hmm. that didn't mean anything to me, and mm-hmm. he took it totally the wrong way, and it was really a bad blow up. But he was known for that. Like supposedly once he threw his guitar off the Santa Monica pier. Wow. He was just so frustrated with himself, and he hated his playing. He thought he was no good, and I just wanted him to play with Cowbop, you know. And he did sit in with us a couple of
4: times. Oh wow! And he kicked ass,
2: but he would like. He would I don't think anything's recorded, but he would like go, Oh, I can't play, I can't play he'd like in the middle of a solo he'd stop playing and just like say, I can't play, I can't play. Oh, and then man, so we'd just so like tough. take over and say, You're cool, man. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna go for that. I mean it's like if you don't wanna play, don't play. You know, I'm not right. gonna make you play, but right. I'll take over for you and if you feel like playing in a second, just play. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because, you know, how much I love him and respect him. And so that's kind of how he just changed my way of, like, until then it had been single lines, harmonized lines, and chords. And all of a sudden he was the one that really made me get what counterpoint needs to be in my life. I mean, the part of counterpoint that I had until then was pretty much descending bass against everything. Right, sure. Right. And then and and so and, and of course I learned number one. I yeah. actually played it at his memorial oh, with Larry. Wow. wow. <coughs> I played number one and he played like number fourteen, I think, and then we just jammed on the blues or something. Mm-hmm. But uh And and you know I said okay so with this with an F and it's going to here you know what if you come back against this and what if you know and a big thing even before that what I got about him was like the way he broke the chords up like you would play a G seven and if you just like pick the strings like the the low E and the D and then the A and the G and then the G and the E, you know, do 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 and you just start going through changes, and you just start breaking up the notes, yeah. and all of a sudden, you're hearing this chord progression in a completely different way than, yeah. than you've heard it your whole life. Yes. yes. And then, well, if you change this one note, then it voice leads into here, and if you right. change this other one, you know, then it voice leads into there. <laughs> right. And so that's what I was kind of doing with it. He was, like, really digging it, and he was making me show him, like, what I was doing with his yeah. stuff, which wow. was nothing, right. you know, except for he had it, like, locked down the way he mm, had right. it. Because that's kind of his... Methodology, right? And my shit is all just like throw it out in the world, right? (laughs) Right, right. And so, uh, so we were really just buds, serious buds, you know, Mm. very tight Mm. till the end, you know. And he died like right during Nam weekend. Mm. And uh, how many years ago did he die? Oh God, a good while ago. I mean, I'm horrible about that stuff, years and things, and. and Jimmy it was funny because, like, when I got my Sontag, he just loved that red guitar. He loved it, and he bought one for Dave, mm. and had it in his craft for Dave. And then I went with Tom Rebecca for a while, you know, and that was a cool guitar too, which you have mm-hmm. now. You're holding on to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he loved that one, and he had one made, and I forget who he gave it to. I mean, he was like getting these guitars. I'm like, Jimmy, don't buy all. You know, this stuff. It's like. A, and, and I was talking to Dave Kuntz hmm. not too long ago, about a month ago, and I realized, you know Dave, he was buying those guitars to leave a piece of himself with all of us. Yeah. All of us got a guitar. Yeah. Like Dave got one and Barry got one mm-hmm. and, and all these different guys got guitars from him. Yeah. He knew. You know that he had the money and rather than leaving people money leaving money somewhere else he was just going to buy guitars and give them to people. Yeah. And that was his sort of his will and testament. I mean his wife had died he didn't have kids.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, it was really beautiful. I mean I kind of Regret having tried to stop him, just trying to protect him. Like, don't let these guys all take you to the right, cleaners. Right. You know, you don't need to make all these guitars. You know, yeah. everybody's cool. You know, yeah. everybody's got a guitar. Right. And he's like, no, I want to get this for Dave. I want to get this for Barry. I want to get this for. Doug. And you know, at the end, I ended up with one. Wow. And uh, which, of course, I mean, a student of mine has. I mean, because mm. it should be being played. It shouldn't sit in my closet. Right. And. Uh, <coughs> and it's yeah, so that's kind of my Jimmy story. I mean, wow. but 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 I can say that there's like in every musician's life there's a handful of people that change the way you hear the world. Yeah. And Jimmy is one of those people for me. Yeah, man. So that's super badass. Yeah.
1: That's
2: really cool.
0: Really really cool. I love hearing stories like that, man. It's just really, really awesome. Yeah,
2: he's just a giant. He'll always be, you know supposedly he was hung
3: like a donkey <laughs> <laughs> which is really almost impossible to believe he was like he was like
2: five foot two but the, that's just, that's what that's Jack so Sheldon said about him. I said, that's that's you know so I said I was funny. hanging out with Jimmy the other day and he says oh he's hung like a donkey oh my god <laughs> that's really funny oh, man, that's, that's really awful. funny
3: <laughs>
2: wow <laughs> even if it's not true it's great <laughs>
0: Oh, man. (laughs) What what, what part of town do you live in these days?
1: It's called Glassell Park.
2: Do you know Oh, that's a cool little neighborhood. It's halfway
1: between Dodger Stadium and the Rose Bowl.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of like down below, like 5 and 110, kind of up from there, right? Yeah, I'm just
1: off the 2, south of the 134. (laughs) Uh,. (laughs)
2: North of the five and west, East of, west of the west, sun. Of west of the west of the yeah. Yeah. west, of the, west of, the, of the one of the one ten in that yeah block
1: exactly right
2: yeah. that's yeah, yeah that's it's a really funny. cool place super it's, central
1: it's so central it's funny when I was a kid growing up in Encino right. and then living in Thousand Oaks for high school I used to go when I was old enough to go see shows. <coughs> You know, I'm of the age where fusion was just cool. Like, it wasn't, (laughs) there was no, I used to go see Scott play, and I I used to go see this band called The Fence. Do you remember The Fence? F-E-N-T-S? No. No. And the guitar player in that band was a guy named Ted Hall. Uh, Probably the most famous guy from The Fence is a guy named Adam Holzman, who's a great keyboard player who I think played with Miles towards the end, and uh, I saw him play with with wayne shorter on the high life tour and anyway but it's what i'm talking about a long 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 time ago but in the in the late 80s there was a band called the fence yeah and the, the guitar player ted hall was so amazing and i wanted to study with him and I, I remember i remember asking where he lived and he said he lived in eagle rock and i was just like That's too far. What? i can't do it sorry man I like, i can't drive from thousand oaks to eagle rock to Guitar and like that was so stupid. Yeah. Now I live like I'm like you're right a, below Eagle. Right? Yeah, I'm like a mile from the Eagle Rock right. city limits, yeah. Yeah. and it it's so obviously central. When I was a kid, it seemed like nowhere. But my wife works downtown. It's easy for her to get downtown. I still teach it at, at a LACM in Pasadena. I'm yep. you know five six miles from Pasadena. Right. Took me twenty minutes to get here in North Hollywood. It's like. It's the most central place, I think, that you can live. Yeah,
2: right. Where, where
1: do you live, Bruce?
2: I'm right now in Burbank. In Burbank, okay.
4: She came to me in my darkest hour. That's yeah. when I knew she had the power to lift me up still my heart. Now I never want to be a part. Listen people and I'll tell you more about her. I got my joy. I got my joy. I wake up every morning a satisfied boy. I got my joy. I got my joy. Going to make some noise, going to raise my voice Like a baby with a brand new toy I don't cry, I don't worry, I got my joy Now late at night, when the city sleeps I'm thankful for the gentle soul laying next to me I'm, I'm not ashamed And I just want to say her name So listen, to people, and I'll tell you all about her I got my joy I got my joy I wake up every morning satisfied, boy I got my joy Joy, am going to make some noise, going to raise my voice Like a baby with a brand new toy I don't cry, I don't worry, I got my joy I waited far too long to find her So I don't want to spoil a chance She can smile and she can laugh She can love and she sure can miss Let her know I appreciate her Everything I say and do She's just too good to be But I know she's true
2: It's not as central as Glassell Park is, yeah. but it's still cool. I mean, of course, to get to Santa Monica you're screwed. You just yeah, take nothing your, is pack good, a bag no. and take your passport. Yeah. There's no, like you if you want to be near Santa Monica, live <laughs> That's in Santa Monica. So tricky, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I I mean I played at uh <laughs> there's this lounge, you know, on the edge of the grove. It's a really cool little hang playing hang right now. And I have this friend in Santa Monica, I never see her. Sure. You know, I figure, hey, I'm playing on your side of town. Yeah. You know, yeah. Come on out and hang. And, like, she did. And it was like, an hour and 15 minutes to get there from Santa Monica to just the Grove you know that's yeah, like Fairfax totally yep. it's like Cantor's or <laughs> yeah. CDS. Yep. you know yeah, I it's like she looked at me she said I ain't never coming here again I said right. well, <laughs> you, you know well I guess you know right yeah it's crazy it's
1: cra- yeah LA is just it's, just, it's, it's too big in- but anyway yeah that's where I live I live in Glass
0: uh, <laughs> now you mentioned you had lessons with, with the infamous Ted Green yeah how long were you with Ted for
1: uh, on and off for several years, it started when I was in high school. Oh, wow. A friend of mine ha- had a, st- you know, Ted liked to have steady students. Yeah. Like, in like every, you know, you'd come weekly. And a friend of mine had a weekly thing and I had to miss one once.
0: And you got a, and I got
1: to sub. And over the next ooh, five years, I went probably half a dozen times. I was yeah. never That's a exactly
2: how I did it. Yeah. With him. I was down in L.A. I was on the road here. And I had this friend who's a guitar player. I've known him for a long time. He says, shit, man, I can't make my lesson with Ted. I've already paid for it. Just go take it. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So I went and took a lesson with Ted. It was so great. Yeah.
1: I still remember, I mean, I probably had half a dozen lessons over a long course of time. And then a couple by mail, which I don't think he did a lot. Right. But I remember a couple of handwritten lessons that I got with him. Wow. Um... But of the lessons I took, <coughs> two, two, three that I remember really clearly, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep these concise But because I do have one other TED story that i want to tell that's a little longer. But I studied, he showed me these voicings that were basically like a tritone on the bottom and a triad on top because I was really into Don Grolnick and some of these like kind of piano voicings. And he's like, he showed me this you know if you could I don't have a guitar man but if you imagine playing E on the fifth string at the seventh fret E B flat so you're making the tritone of a C7 chord and then you play a uh, first inversion A flat triad on the high three strings so right. so E B flat C E flat A flat and using that as a C alt or dominant but also like all the other things that you could do with that voicing and and then the other inversions of that triad so like what if you had the same E and B flat, but played the second inversion A flat, try it on the high with strings. The, yeah, yeah, and then the, up there. And that had me going for... I mean, I still use those voicings, and I think about Ted every time I play them. <laughs> and one lesson, he just wanted me to learn the Billy Butler solo from Honky Tonk. Like, had nothing to do with altered anything or drop anything voicings. I mean, I, I say he wanted me to learn... He knew that that's where I was headed. Like, I was trying to, like figure out how to play blues vocabulary but not just play the same licks as right. you always hear and he's like oh you ever check out billy butler nope listen to this and we just we spent like, the whole lesson just picking up the needle and listening to it over and breaking it apart and that was a great lesson I had one lesson where he was showing me voice leading which was a new thing because i was really young and the next lesson i was almost couldn't play anymore because i thought that his intention was you must voice lead at all times no oh. matter what and i was like that's too heavy i can't <laughs> play guitar if if everything must be voice led at all times it is thus you know i thought i am I, rendered
3: yeah i'm rendered paralyzed yeah <laughs> i can't i'm not i am not going
1: so those were things but then later i wrote for guitar player magazine for a couple of years and i'm um, one year they did a tribute to West. This was like probably 97, 98. And guitar player asked me to ask Ted if he would write a little something. And um, I, I talked to him on the phone. I said, it has to be pretty short because, you know, it's magazine. And of course he wrote me back this handwritten like 10 page oh, wow. thing about listening to the album Movin' West, which is like kind of a big band West record. Yeah. And it was like a track by track his thoughts about, like, listen to track one. Listen, this caravan, I think, is the opening cut on that. And it's like, it was like four paragraphs on caravan, and then, like, you know, the next thing. And it was so in depth and so fucking awesome. And I handed it in to my editor. My editor was like, we can't we don't yeah. we can't publish this too bad
2: there wasn't a website at that time well but
1: know. i just discovered this everybody probably who listens to this probably knows there's TedGreen.com. green.com oh, it's so yeah. good so somebody has posted the article from guitar player and they also posted ted's hand he must have saved a, a oh. copy of it you can actually see the thing that he sent me that i don't have anymore that's probably in a file cabinet at Guitar Player Magazine somewhere. You can see what he actually wrote. And then somebody else went through the trouble of actually typing it up for people who can't read Ted's writing. And so you can actually just read it in text. But I love Ted's handwriting always makes me really happy. So if you love Wes Montgomery and or love Ted, and you want to read some beautiful thoughts about the Moving West record. Yeah. Just go to tedgreen.com com and it's it's up there. It's wouldn't really be cool.
2: wouldn't it be say. great if you just could do that? Everything about this day is just like not in depth. No yeah. one wants to hear it, right? No one wants to hear it. I never feel like I have the opportunity, The only time I get the opportunity to do is when I play, because. In that playground, people don't really even know what they're hearing half the time, and I'm in control. But yeah. you know, I mean, to be able to, you know, with my students to go that in depth, like the thing about West, we all talk about octaves, and everybody thinks about the, you know, the uh, playing thumb with, uh, you know, the famous West sound, but you know, motif development. Mm. To me, when uh, you say octaves and West, it's like he'll play an idea. And damn if he doesn't play like that idea or an answer to that idea an octave away, that's so much more important to understand about Wes than him playing octaves Mm. the way we you know that that signature sound we're talking about his 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 ability to you know to just embellish melodies and to develop melodies and motifs, you know, and through the use of the octave displacement is like a signature to his playing that is rarely ever acknowledged. You know what I mean? Everybody goes, you know, like bumping on sunset and they think they're right. copying Wes. You know, it's like, you don't get it. That other thing is the real
1: Right, it's like a bad impression of Jack Nicholson, or right. it's like it's like just just screaming "Stella" doesn't make you Marlon Brando. Exactly. exactly. Like so I heard somebody talk about this. like, if you actually watch Streetcar, like you know, he's wearing this t-shirt that's like drenched in sweat, and you see like the muscles that he uses to to scream "Stella." It's not just here in his throat, but he's Man. using muscles that you don't even know you have, which you can see just because he's wearing this d- sweat-drenched, you know, t-shirt that's like half torn. Anyway, I really got that when I was watching the Red Guitar, like when you talk about West, but you don't, it's not a caricature. And when you talk about Django, but you don't really play Django licks. And you, when you talk about Train, but you don't, it's just, you somehow find the essence of what those guys did without any caricature or well, even because, like signature link. because I,
2: you know, I mean, and, and that you know, it was by design, but it's because it's you know, the, the characterizations aren't the real person, it's like it, it in any of us, you know, Jimmy Weibel. I mean, yeah. what we take from them and make of our own is not copying. Mm. It's not playing their trademark thing. It's like absorbing some perhaps perhaps esoteric aspect that touches our life and changes our view about like with Django, you know, obviously <clears throat> I could put on a good copy of a you know, gypsy guitar player. That's not what he means to me. You know, to me it's like a man of sheer brilliance who overcame obstacles. And, you know, when you, we think we all have obstacles to overcome, he's teaching us, you know, that what creativity really is. That it comes from within. And, okay, you got two fingers. Okay, you got a acoustic guitar. Okay, you you know, no one's listening. Okay, you know, whatever. The world's falling down around you. You just play through, you know. That, to me, is the essence of Django, not his licks and copying his style. That's like, in a, in a way and this is probably the fault of my mentors, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that was sacrilegious
1: to copies. To play his licks it was sacrilegious. To copy somebody yeah, to copy.
2: Sacrilegious. Right. I sacrilegious. Mean, I mean, I can't tell you how many of my mentors are rolling in their grave because so many people are putting transcriptions of solos of people that aren't as good as the guy who did it.
3: Mm.
2: It's like, what are you saying? You're playing somebody else's solo. You're not even doing it as well as they are. What are we supposed to take from this? I mean, you're pissing on a grave, is what yeah, you're doing. Right. It's like, I mean, it's great to learn a solo. Sure. I'm, I embrace that. I'm not saying that part's bad. Right. I'm saying, what are you like showing off to the world for? Why don't you just put his solo up
3: online? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If
2: you think it's that good, that's good enough. No, it's all about you and how much knowledge you have and you can't even do it as well. Right. It's like how ugly is that? Yeah. I mean, ugly. Yeah. And and my and I really the the guys who I grew up playing with would beat you up for
3: that. Mm. I mean, it was not a nice
2: world mm. then, you know, we were all carrying guns and stuff so you could actually beat somebody up right. and get away with it. Right. And um yeah, and I've told this story on um, Guitar Wank, but you haven't heard it probably. Uh, I don't know if you're a dedicated guitar wanker, but um, Binger. But, you know, I mean, once I was playing and I'd been listening to Wes all day and I was just in my Wes mode. You know, I'd probably been playing with records for eight hours. Got <laughs> to the gig with this organ player and what did I do? I just kind of went Wes, you know? And the guy stopped in like the middle of my chorus. And of course, the rest, the drummer stopped too. and. And I like didn't know whether to keep going or right. like but it's a weird I mean, it wasn't stop time. It didn't stop. Right, at the no, it was right, it was kinda like all of a yeah. sudden he stopped and right. like I kinda played okay, this is not right. Okay. He's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and then I stopped I didn't know what was wrong and he just looked at me and he said, Bruce, this is you wanna sit and practice your West Montgomery Licks? You can do that at home. Yeah. We're playing a gig for people here. No, I hired you. I didn't hire Wes. Do you want to play the gig or do you want to just go home and play with your records? Hmm. I went like, I mean, in that moment, you know, I was what, eighteen, seventeen? I was humiliated. I was angry. I was outraged. I was <laughs> scared. I was everything, right? But you know, ultimately, I, I mean, it was a fucking great gig. Great organ player. Great drummer. You know, great saxophone player. It's like, no, I want to play. It's just. Okay, and he just started the tune up right where we stopped and <laughs> <laughs> taught me the lesson. Don't bring that shit to the business. Go yeah. ahead and learn it. Make it yours. You know, Right. Wow. And that was what it was. But now, go on Facebook and it's like, yeah. look at me playing Peter Bernstein's right. solo. Look at me playing Wes's solo here. Look at me playing Steve Vai's solo on this. It's like, really? Right. What? You don't even do it as good as him. I mean, at least do it better than him. Right.
1: Yeah, add something to it, bring something to it. You know,
2: and so that's the world I come from, and I don't know. We just, I mean, I see it in my school. There's like the kids, they're all competing with each other, and the one with the most knowledge, meaning the most transcriptions, wins. And I've had this argument with numerous guys, you know, who are teaching at various universities or performing arts schools or jazz schools, And they got kids, you know, transcribing solos. It's the first thing they do. And I'm not saying transcribing's bad. Because, hey, I mean, if I need to tell you you hear something you like and you don't figure out what it is, I just need to tell you you need to find something else to do. Right, sure. I mean, we all know that. Sure. So, I mean, that's a stipulated idea. You know, but it's like, they got these kids at 13, 12, who are really potential talents, Transcribing Sonny Rollins solo on St. Thomas, let's say, hmm. but they don't—they can't even play St. Thomas. Right. It's like, right? Do you realize? No, there's a few things first.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> you know what? Do you, what are you going to create with a guy who knows this solo but doesn't know the song? Right. Can't just comp the changes for somebody else's solo. Right. Can't just play the melody. Can't just keep his place on his own without right. that solo. Right. It's like. You know, Sonny Rollins didn't learn that way. No, Bird didn't learn that way. Train, Art Tatum, none of the guys that we're copying learned that way. Shouldn't we endeavor to learn the way they learned?
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, we we play songs. Ultimately we play songs. And until jazz music changes and we stop playing songs, knowing the song and being able to just play the song is a prerequisite.
1: Of course, yeah.
2: I mean, it's. I don't know why I have to spell this out, but I feel like I really have to... You do. No, I, I see do it, it all to... the
1: time. I, t- I tell students, don't transcribe solos, transcribe tunes. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, like if you want to learn... Because if you transcribe a solo, I feel like you're transcribing the stuff that that player practiced. Because the stuff that comes out in a solo, <laughs> a, a, a lot of it is the stuff that's at hand. Right. so that means that's something that that person would shed it and spent time on but if you transcribe a tune I feel like you get a little more inside their their musical mind like how they think about harmony yeah, I mean, how because they, because they're gonna spend more time crafting a tune than a solo a solo is of the moment, a tune they might right. go back well, and change something. Well but if you something. know the
2: tune and then you study the solo of course. You, you get like th- they played this over this. This is why. You, right. you understand the whole thought process of how this came about. Right. Now you're dealing in the real realm of music. Right. Because basically fuck ups happen two ways. And for those of you who've gotten my new video know this but <laughs> um, we either fuck up because our chops won't keep up with our ears. Right. And that's a lifetime thing. Sure. You know if you're going to be a musician every day is about getting better. Right. And you're never going to catch it. No. It's just you're chasing it. Yeah. You know but that doesn't alleviate you from the responsibility of making music with what you have today. Right. But the other reason you fuck up is because you just don't know the song. Right. And that's something you can fix.
1: You can fix for sure. Just
2: get inside the song, learn what it's got. Sure. You know, dig deep. Yeah, and all those that information will help you with every other song, and will help your jobs. A- absolutely, that's my personal absolutely. feeling.
1: Absolutely,
2: you know, if you simplify it to that, it's like whoa, okay
1: right and then you know something that you can play with other people if you get together with somebody and say hey let's all play the solo from alucha (laughs) like that's not going to happen but if you if you get together with a bunch of people and say hey let's all play you know f blues blues or or uh i didn't know what time it was or whatever that's something everybody can play together but a transcribed solo is just you can learn so much from it But it has nothing to do with like playing with people.
2: No. Once you know the tune then that's the next step, you know, and then it makes sense to you. I mean you can learn what people did or you can learn how they learned it. I think you're better off learning how they learned it.
0: Yes, I did speed the intro up, so don't freak out, and also a big, super happy birthday to my beautiful, amazing mum, I love you dearly, Judy McCubbin in Victoria, Australia, she's just like the best mum you could ever ask for, I'm a very lucky bloke, and uh, my sister's a very lucky lady, because we do have the best mum in the world, so everyone else, up your bum, because I've got the best mum. Happy birthday, mum. I love you. Uh, We'll see you soon. See you guys all next week.